I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What is going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. If you don't know me by now, my name is James Milley. I am the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S., and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. I am also one of our two hosts here on the Artist Business Plan, which now reaches over 5,000 monthly listeners in 70 countries around the globe and growing every single week. Isn't that amazing? Today, we've got Antrese Wood here with us on the mic. Antrese is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to have it all when it comes to your art career. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so we are back here with Antrice Wood and we are ready to change the way that you think about your art career. As a painter herself, Antrice Wood knows what it's like to be an artist. She's intimately familiar with the highs and lows of creating, marketing, and selling art. Antrice inspires tens of thousands of artists every month with her top-ranked podcast, Savvy Painter, and works directly with artists through workshops and her artist coaching program to guide them past creative doubts and overwhelm and gives them concrete tips to build the skills they need to create their best work. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Entries. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, James. Now, before we dive into it, Entries, I just want to ask you something to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? Ooh, I was at a doctor's office, I think. I was waiting for my mom somewhere. I remember sitting in a chair and kind of swinging my legs. And the assistant there just gave me some paper and pencil to keep me occupied. And I drew a horse. And I thought it was the most amazing horse in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I remember jumping off my chair and showing it to a receptionist who was like, oh, cute. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so cute. And, you know, I think that taking a a little tip from that and just, you know, artists, don't forget to be proud of your own work. You know, you don't have to always be so humble that, you know, you're not willing to, uh, you know, admire what you've accomplished. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful story. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of, I mean, it's human nature, right? We do something or we see something and we're like, our instant response is to turn to somebody else and say, 
did you see that? Hey, look at this, right? So we kind of do that with our art too. And as kids, we do it naturally, but somewhere along the lines, we think that means that we're arrogant or something when, you know, really it's just like, I look at this, it's cool. Don't you see that? Right, right. And, you know, I think that it, it just breaks down the barriers a little bit of, are you, you know, being, you know, gloating or whatever, like just annoying about your art? <laughs> um, it's a moment to share with someone, you know, we're, we're creating art to share with others. If you're, if you're not confident enough about your own art to actually share it with someone, then it's just, it's a, it's a very silent personal hobby. And we're, we're all here, we want to share with others. So I, I think that's a, a great, great story to start off with. So let's go ahead and jump into the rest of the questions. And Therese, thank you again for taking time out of your own busy podcasting schedule to come do a little crossover episode with us. The Savvy Painter is one of the top art education podcasts in the world. Uh, what inspired you to create The Savvy Painter and how has it helped your audience build their own confidence? Well, I started The Savvy Painter because I am originally from Los Angeles and I had sort of been immersed in the art culture there. I had uh, grown up there. I went to art school there and then I went on to work for Disney. So I had all these networks of artists. And then I moved to Argentina and I didn't know any artists. And all of a sudden I realized that what I had in Los Angeles wasn't quite normal. <laughs> that, that, you know, not everybody is surrounded by artists all the time and gets to just kind of pop into somebody else's studio or pick up the phone and call somebody when they're stuck. And I just really, really missed it. I just, you know, decided I'm just going to like <laughs> call people up and, and ask them about their art practice and ask them about what goes on in their studio because I miss those conversations so much. And I also had this experience where I had the great honor. My, my friend's grandfather was an, a major art collector and he collected like all of the early Bay Area figurative painters and he invited me into his house to see his personal collection and I was completely starstruck and didn't ask him very many questions because I was just like, oh my God, there's a demon corn. Oh my God, look at all this stuff. You know, there's like drawings on napkins pinned to the, you know, pinned to the bathroom wall or whatever. I mean, they were just everywhere. And I didn't ask him because I was shy and I was afraid to bother him. And later on, he passed away. And about a year later, he passed away. And I just thought, oh my gosh, all those stories just went with him. So those two things were sort of like the the impetus for me to start the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, when you listen to your podcast, you really see that. I, I think that those are, are two really interesting sides of, you know, what creates a podcast or what, you know, drives someone to be, again, sharing stories uh, with, with other people, you know, starting with realizing that not everyone gets to, you know, surround themselves with art and artists all the time and using a, a platform like this to spread the message of what inspires artists and, you know, what they're doing to people who don't necessarily live in cities like LA or New York or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I guess documentation is also a part of it, you know, not letting these stories die, letting them exist somewhere for at least the foreseeable future, uh, as long as uh, these various platforms exist. But yeah, I think that's beautiful. Uh, and Therese, the next question I have, so at the Artist Business Plan, we are all about helping artists grow their businesses. 
If you had to choose, what would you say was a standout episode or piece of advice that you've heard along the way that you have found most inspiring or that you think every artist should know? Oh my gosh, so many. I, yeah, I can't, it's really hard for me. People ask me that often. What's your favorite episode? It's so hard for me to choose because there's so many great stories and great takeaways. But I think, you know, earlier you, you sort of mentioned um, this idea of like artists having confidence to show their work and having confidence to say, I am an artist. And I think the stories that sort of revolve around that have been really, really powerful. I'm thinking, you know, kind of off the top of my head, one of my professors in college by the name of Errol Gerson, I had him on and he talked about kind of like the art of possibility of just maintaining that openness and and having fun with the idea of promoting yourself and making that like a huge part of creating the art as well because what I kind of like what I alluded to before it, there's creating it and then there's sharing it with people and giving people that gift because not everybody's an artist and we think that what we do is is kind of we don't often give ourselves the credit for what we do which is to bring these visions into the world and allow people, give other people who are not artists the gift of seeing things from a different perspective. So I would say Errol Gersley, Gerson, excuse me. And then, um, Ashley, I'm like, I'm like thinking of two people in the, in my head at the same time. And I have that like flip of vowels and consonants occasionally. Um, but Errol Gerson. And then another one was Ashley Bryan, who is a World War II vet living in uh, the East Coast. And his, the conversation, if you're ever in, a really down mood, listen to Ashley Bryan talk. He is just <laughs> amazing. So those are, those are the kind of the, the episodes that, that I might suggest. But I also, you know, in terms of what I've learned through this podcast and what are some of the, the experiences that I think are most powerful for audience is just this idea of, listening to other artists who are out there having the same struggles and realizing that you're not alone in it. I think like as artists, we often think that we're sort of unique in our struggles, that if we're struggling with something, that that means that there's something wrong with us or with our art. Listening to other artists talk about how they create their artwork, what that what goes on in their studio, and realizing that artists at all levels, from beginners to artists who are showing at the best galleries at New York, they have the exact same challenges and issues in the in the studio. And understanding that really normalizes it and gives people confidence. I think to to continue creating. Yeah, a hundred percent. And. You know, I, you hear all the time that celebrities like, you know, like rock stars even get stage fright, even once they're massively famous, that, that doesn't go away. That's, that's very human. Uh, and you're not yeah. alone there if you're facing any issues, uh, with, you know, confidence or, or just relaxing. Yeah. I think one of the conversation, one of the realizations that I've had through doing this is, is just the distinction between confidence and self-confidence and, to me, confidence is, is I know because I have done this 20 times that I can do it. So it come, it kind of comes from experience and taking repeated action and consistently getting in the studio and painting. That kind of confidence that comes from experience is, 
is one thing, but it will only get you so far because you can only rely on your past experience. What I think is more important and what I think artists are starting to realize is self-confidence is so much deeper and more powerful. Self-confidence comes from the belief in your capacity. It comes from having your own back and it comes from having faith that you can experience failures and you can experience disappointment and you can not know something and yet not use it as an excuse to kind of throw yourself under the bus and think that you're not talented, you're not good enough, you're never going to make it. It's really that self-confidence is about just believing in yourself, which <laughs> I know sounds kind of like a little bit like woo-woo or kind of dorky, but it is so critical for maintaining your practice the, for the long term. And it's really important for us to sort of distinguish between those two um, ideas of confidence and self-confidence and to know that neither confidence or self-confidence is synonymous with arrogance. <laughs> I think, you know, like I think that's a fear of a lot of artists that if I show self-confidence or I feel confident about something that that means that I'm being arrogant and arrogant is really arrogance is really the polar opposite. I think of self-confidence because self-confidence is faith in your own capacity to experience life and it enables abundance and inclusion. Whereas arrogance is rooted in insecurity and it results in sort of like a scarcity mindset and pushing other people down so that you can feel bigger. So there's, they're so completely different. And I think it's really, it's, it's so harmful for artists to, to confuse the two because then they think if they take pride in their work, then they're being arrogant and that that's like a negative when in reality, ha taking pride in your work and taking, believing in, in yourself and your capacity that you can experience the disappointments of a failed painting that you can like make a bad mark on the canvas. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad painter. You have your own back in the sense that like, Oh, I just threw this mark down. That's not really what I want, or it's in the wrong place, or it's not creating the form I want, or whatever, whatever that is. And you just have the the self-confidence to know that, you know, I can figure this out. I can see that it's wrong and I can figure out how to correct that. Versus, oh crap, I just ruined the painting. It's over. I blew it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's beautiful. And I've actually never really thought about that distinction between confidence and self-confidence. I mean, you know, basically from what it sounds like, you're viewing confidence as familiarity, experience. I've already done this, so I know I know how to do this versus mm -hmm. self-confidence. Like you said, it's your capacity. You know that you're capable of doing something even before you've done it. And neither are arrogance. <laughs> yes. Remember that. Neither are arrogance. Something else that you mentioned before, uh, making promotion part of what you do. That's something that I thought was really interesting as well. And I like that we started with the story of you drawing the horse in the dentist's office. Being an artist as an adult versus, you know, having this like raw creative energy as a child and you don't know why you're doing it or, or like, you know, what you're interested in. You're just doing it. You have the ideas, you know, translating that raw creative energy as a kid into a business. Like we said before, you have something to say as an artist, you're trying to share a message with the world. You're trying to share visions with the world. You should make that part of what 
your business is, not just creating the art. Part of your business is sharing it with the world because that is that's one side of the coin that is creating. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's such an amazing way to look at it. I, I really like the confidence versus self-confidence distinction. Again, entries, uh, you yourself are a wonderful painter for you. And like you said, artists go through a lot of the same things. So what are some of your musts for your artist business plan? It starts with creating the art. And, um, and that means getting into the studio every, every day, or, you know, having a, if you can't do it every day, but having a very consistent schedule for creating your art, that is one of the biggest, the biggest and simplest thing is just getting into the studio, which sounds kind of ridiculous. Cause a lot of people think like, oh my gosh, like if I, I would give anything, if I could be a full-time artist, I could get, you know, I, I wish I could just paint all day, every day. And then when it comes down to it, there's a sort of, I guess like a myth. There's like this, this duality that artists have, um, that is not helpful. On the one hand, there's, you know, culturally we're told, Oh, you're artist. And, um, so, oh, is I had this, this plumber actually came over to my house doing something and he was like, he's like, Oh, you're an artist. It must be amazing. It must be wonderful to work anytime you want. And I was like, mm, you know, it's not actually like that. <laughs> um, and I think like, like that, that sort of perception that, that society has and that we have ourselves that it's just like, oh, I have to wait for the muse. This, this will just happen as it happens. It's dangerous to fall into that if you really want to sell your art and you want, and it is in fact a business. If it's a hobby, it's totally fine. And I don't have any problem. I don't, think that there's any problem or there's any hierarchy between like a hobbyist and an artist who sells their art, but you need to be really clear where you land on that. Because if you, um, an artist and, and, and you're, you're seeing yourself as an entrepreneur, as a business person, that means that part one is creating the art. Part two is showing it. And part three is actually saying the words or something like that. Hi, I have a painting here for sale. It's I'm it's it's a thousand dollars to buy this painting, or it's three hundred dollars to buy this painting. Would you like to buy it? It's so yeah. like <laughs> I mean <laughs> scary, right? It's like, oh my God, you want me to like actually say what it is and say the price and not, you know, stutter over not be like kicking the dirt and looking at my feet while I'm talking about being an artist. As artists, we have a responsibility to to yes, show your work and, and also like give people the opportunity to buy it. People want to buy art and you're not a, um, I think like the other thing is like, we're, we're kind of led to believe that we're sort of like these, um, there's so many like weird, I think, uh, stereotypes of what an artist is. I mean, my favorite thing in the world to do is just like go on to pick your favorite stock photo provider and just put artist in and just like, it's so cringeworthy. It's just like, oh my God, no, we are not all wearing berets and black and white striped shirts. And yes, we are capable of making a painting without getting it all over our face and body. <laughs> and no, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking. <laughs> They're so bad. And I'm just kind of like, hi, excuse me. Um, female artists, we don't actually paint in our underwear. That's just not a thing. <laughs> 
Oh and so, like, there's so many, like, they have these weird things. And, and, you know, like, as that applies to your question, sorry, I just got off on my little, like, my little tangent there, but like, my peeve, that's one of my peeves. Um, but we're, we're kind of like led to believe, like, oh, you know, artists should, should be supported. We're, it's almost like we're a charity or that we need, um, we need other people to like donate money and give us money and all these things so, just so that we can exist. If you come at your business with that mentality, just imagine like if, you know, I know this is blasphemy in the art world, but, but I'm just like, if you, if you were like a restaurant or like, I wanted to say McDonald's and I can already hear the screams in the audience, but like, can you just imagine like McDonald's, like you walk in there and you're like, you're starving and you really want something to eat. And they're like, hi, I'm just here cooking. What, what, uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, and you're like, I want to buy a hamburger, and they're like, okay, um, well, y- you know, I, 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 I have a hamburger. What, what, what price do you want to pay for it? Um, <laughs> like, like, do you think it's you, worth? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that's a ridiculous comparison, but and and that's kind of why I'm doing it, just to you know bring some humor into it and make it kind of funny. But but we do that with our art, like we we want people to buy our art, and yet we don't tell them that it's for sale. We want people to buy our art, and yet we're afraid to. We we're not we don't believe, and that's where the self confidence comes in. We don't believe ourselves in the price that we're asking for it. And so, of course, if you don't believe it, if you don't think your art's worth you know, whatever the number is, $200. If you don't think your, your art, you know, this, this sketch that you did is worth $200. It's going to be really hard for you to say, Hey, will you buy this? It's $200. There's, there's only a very limited number of people who are going to actually like encourage you to charge them more. Like if you're like, you know, uh, maybe $50 and that person saying, no, 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 this is worth $200. I'm giving you $200. Yeah, I, I actually have met these people and, and I'm one of them. Um, <laughs> it um, to me one time and it was like, and it, and, and it, you do want to kick yourself because you're just like, oh my God, like I agonized so long over yeah. this price. And then this person says to me, are you sure it's not worth more than that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's, you, you've mentioned self-confidence many times. And I think that another side of it is guilt. I think that a lot yeah. of artists, feel guilty. Like you said, you know, oh, is what I'm doing, is this a real job? You know, can I like, is it valid for me to actually be like sitting here painting? You know, so like you said, your business plan starts with having the self-confidence and the the self-affirmation to get into the studio and actually create art. Like that is part of it. Otherwise, what are you selling? You're not, you can't just be like, and an artist as like a person who sells paintings, if you don't make the paintings, you don't, exactly. you're, you're going to run out of inventory. So Yeah. And if you think that you can just go into your paint, into your studio, whenever you feel like it, you're going to come up with, and, and also add on to that, the fact that you, you, off, you know, that we, you don't believe in the art that you're selling, or I'm sorry, like, it's not that you don't believe in the art that you're selling, but you're, you're not comfortable saying that that I'm cr- I'm creating this as a piece of art and it's a product that I'm selling and it has a price to it and there are customers who are going to want to buy it you know like we have to be able to wrap our heads around those two things and the fact that it's a business and so 
It's kind of like if McDonald's just opened whenever they felt like it, you know, it's like they, they, they are there, there every single day at a certain time. You can depend on it, you know, and your creativity is, you know, kind of needs to be, you, you're consistent. You need to be that consistent with your creativity where, whether it's only, you know, whether it's on weekends or if it's every day of the week, it really doesn't matter. But that, that telling that part of the self-confidence and part of the belief in yourself as an artist and that you have a, um, a, an actual business comes from treating it that way. And if you treat it like whenever I get around to it, when it feels right, when it's a good time, you're, it's never going to work. You're never going to get in there often enough and consistently enough to create the amazing work and to push through the hard parts of it because, you know, it is hard. That's part of what we do. It, it, it is hard. Right. No. And, and going back to the McDonald's metaphor one more time, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to get slayed for this. <laughs> imagine if instead of looking at inventory and like restocking their ingredients based on the demand that they have, or like what they're, what they're aiming their demand to be, if they were just like, eh, you know, made some, made some burgers, like kind of felt bad about making the burgers. So <laughs> I didn't make enough. I didn't order enough. Then you don't have a, a structured business. You have to, you know, look at, okay, if I'm having this many shows or I want to be having this many shows and I need to be selling this, you know, number of pieces of art, here's what I need to make this year. You know, if I'm going to sell, 70% of the, the pieces that I make in the same year that I make them, this will get me to where I need to be. And then you go from there. And as your demand increases, you make more paintings as you go. You have to think of it that way. And going back to self-confidence, you have to think of it that way even before it happens. Because if you're like, oh, you know, I have some paintings and I haven't sold them yet. So I'm not going to make more. I'm just going to like hope that someone buys them. Well, those pieces are going to start, you know, people are going to start seeing them over and over again. They're going to be like, oh, I've seen that painting seven times now and, and it's still for sale. Like, you know, where's your new work? You know, where, mm -hmm. like, why aren't you making anything new? Yet then people are going to start questioning whether they should buy it and you're going to just lose steam versus it seeming like you make something, it sells, you make something else, it sells. You have to manifest that by just believing it will happen to start. Yeah. And I think, I mean, <laughs> we'll put that, we'll put the McDonald's reference aside <laughs> soon. I promise you guys, I will not stay on this. But So this is the last McDonald's reference I will make. I hope, I mean, McDonald's works in the sense of the consistency of, of McDonald's as a company. And the reality is like what we do as artists, we create luxury items. People want your art, but they don't need it in the same way that they need food and shelter, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's also part of understanding the business of, of art is that you are in the, you are in the business of, of luxury products. And that means that you, that you, you're, you need to sort of think of it as something that people, it brings value into their life, but they don't need it. It's, it's so helpful to understand, like, what is it that people get out of buying your art? What does it bring into their lives? How do they experience it every day? What are the things like, why would somebody buy your art? Newsflash, it's not because they feel bad for you. <laughs> you know, it's not because it's 
not because they're nice. They actually like your art and it's your business, you know, as, as an artist, you should know why they like your art because it'll really help you understand the value of your art and what you bring to them. You're not bringing, if you're thinking like, Oh, I'm bringing, you know, a 24 by 36 canvas that has pigment and oil on it. It's not very compelling. If you instead think I am bringing every single morning, this person wakes up and they're transported to this, this place that they visited, you know, if you're a landscape painter, maybe like they're transported back to this place that they visited and they have all these memories and they have all these associations from it and, you know, know something about your collectors. Like they, you know, maybe this person, okay, it's COVID time and all that. Maybe they're not working in an office right now, but maybe their, their day-to-day life isn't that inspiring. And, and this painting is a reminder to them of all the things they get, of why they work so hard and what it is that they value in life. That's what the painting is. It's not, a 24 by 36 canvas with a frame on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it brings up Maslow's hierarchy of needs for me, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, on the base, people need food, water, shelter. And then once you have that, then you can start worrying about things like love and companionship. And, you know, after that, the top of that pyramid is, I think it's self-actualization. and. Mm-hmm. You know, that is what you're offering to someone. You're helping them feel inspired on a daily basis. You're helping them uh, feel motivated to be creative themselves or to think about life in a different way. If you're only thinking of it as that 24 by 36 oil on canvas, then that's not really ticking any box besides like decor, like a thing on the wall, in which case, you know, you could put a poster on the wall. It doesn't matter. The, mm-hmm. Like why, why your artwork as like you said, a luxury good, um, why it's pulling on someone's heartstrings and why they're going to decide to buy it is because it is offering something that they don't need in the sense that like, you know, like you said, like food, but ultimately once someone is at that point where they're thinking about buying art, in a sense, it is kind of something that they need, they're looking for, they're looking for that inspiration. They're not doing it just to, as a a charity to you as a starving artist, that's not why they're buying it. actually want it. (laughs) Yeah, that is not why people buy your art and convincing yourself or believing that just is, you know, it it just you just shoot yourself in the foot. And that's why the self confidence is so important. And just really trusting yourself to know that you're creating something that is that gives people something incredibly valuable in their lives. You as the artist have a reason for creating it. It might mean something very special to you, but you, it's like you have a conversation with this, with this canvas or, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're doing in your studio with with a sculpture or whatever it is, you have this conversation with it. And then when you sell the painting, it's kind of like you're inviting somebody else into the conversation or you're, you're, you're passing it along and and they get to have their own conversation with it. And that conversation might have a little bit to do with you, but that's the other thing is it has more to do with what they think about the painting and what their memories are and what their experiences are. And so when, if you confuse those two, what happens, I think a lot for artists is, you know, like they put all of their, they, when they go, when it comes time to sell the painting, 
all the insecurities of themselves as an artist kind of come out when they're trying to price the work and they're thinking like they're thinking with their own wallets and they're thinking with like what they would, you know, what they're capable of doing. But like, there's like my husband and I have these conversations a lot um, because he also runs his own business and we, we both get caught up in this too. Like you cannot be your customer's wallet. Like that's their decision. That's their, like they get to make those decisions. You don't get to decide ahead of time what is too much money for them to spend. You have to trust that your customers are intelligent and they know how to manage their own wallet. And it's not your business what they do with their money. So if they want to spend $10,000 on your painting, for God's sakes, let them. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get in the way of your own $10,000 artwork sale artists out there. Someone who is on the market to buy art. I mean, they're thinking about that. The thing that you need to do is just not get in the way of yourself. Like Mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, you're communicating, Hey, this is for sale. This is the price. I am already self-confident that the price of my art is what it should be then it's up to them. And you you don't have to feel bad if they decide to to make the purchase. If they are, it's because they've evaluated it and they've decided, yes, this is something I want to do. I am ready to do it. Well, entries, we are going to be coming right back. And all of you artists out there, we're going to be telling you more about Entries' career at Disney. We're going to talk about how to grow your audience size and so much more. But first, we have another message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world slash offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. All right, and Therese, you worked at one of the biggest companies in the world, Disney, as an illustrator in the game design department. You said that you got the job by being extraordinarily persistent. (laughs) What would you say is an effective way for an artist to practice persistence when going after what they want while not being overbearing or making someone block you? That's a great question. (laughs) Such a good question. Yeah, I was incredibly persistent. Looking back now, I was I was just short of stalkerish, I think. I wanted that job so bad. <laughs> Look, I think I think persistence and being ambitious ambitious is a wonderful thing. I think where people get confused or where they get themselves in trouble is when be persistent, be ambitious, but don't forget that you're dealing with another human being, you're dealing with another person. And so that would be like my number one thing is treat them like a human being. Understand 
I mean, just think for a minute before you do whatever you're going to do, where where that person might be. I mean, use your amazing artist imagination and just think for a second, like, okay, I really want to get into this gallery. What is going on with this gallery right now? Like, they might be incredibly busy. They might be like, you know, when your email lands in their, let's say, just assume it's an email. When your email lands in their inbox, you don't really know what is going on in their day. Your job is to sort of understand, first of all, that your your urgency is not their urgency. Just assume that when they get your email, they're going to be in the middle of a very busy day. <laughs> so the question you can ask yourself is, how can I make this easier for them to say yes to me? Be helpful and humble. Be brief and concise. Be And by concise, I mean, tell them what you want. Like, Look, I'm, uh, this is what I'm looking for. Like, make it easy for them to either say yes or no. As quickly as you can, just kind of say, like, you know, hey, this is what, this is what I'm looking for. This is why I'm contacting you. And it's, and it better not, please, please, please don't make it be because you're a gallery and you sell art. That's not a good reason, good enough reason to interrupt their day. Do your homework, (laughs) know a little bit about the gallery that you're contacting and show them that you've done their, your homework. Let's see. I've talked to one of the podcast ep- episodes I did was with uh, Stremel Gallery out in uh, Reno, Nevada. And, and um, if you ever want to hear what not to do, <laughs> um, Parker Stremel gives a really great <laughs> kind of list of all of his pet peeves about how artists contact him. That's a great episode to listen to, um, kind of for this. But but basically, in a nutshell, just understand that you're you're effectively asking them for a favor. So give do something. Actually, here's another episode. Listen to, again, Errol Gerson, my professor from um, from uh, back in college. Do something that makes you stand out just a little bit, just enough that they're going to read their, your email. You know, as a podcaster, I don't know about you, James, but like I get lots of emails from people and, and it is so obvious to me when people have never listened to, to the podcast or when they're just like throwing, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and to see what, what will stick. I, I immediately delete them. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> my assistant is much nicer. She'll, she'll answer people. I'm just kind of like, you've never, I can, I, in two sentences, I know that you've never listened to this podcast. Like if you're, you know, like I'll give you a very extreme example. That's not McDonald's. Um, (laughs) 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 I get emails like, like, I could talk about McDonald's all day, but (laughs) (laughs) I get, so first of all, it's dear savvy. Um, hi, I have a name. And if you, if you don't bother to even look up my name, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to give you the 15 seconds to like, if you can't take 15 seconds to find out what my name is, I'm not going to answer you. Number one, number two, (laughs) and these are all like extreme examples. So hopefully you're, you know, like your audience would never do this, but dear savvy immediately delete it. I've been listening. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I think your audience would love an interview with me because I talk about model cars. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a dis- yeah, the same thing happens um, uh, for the fair. We, we have a lot of artists who reach out and it's just, it's so copied and pasted. And it's like, we have a very specific kind of uh, 
I guess, what journey that an artist goes through when they're interested in the fair, where they submit a pre-qualification form, and then we talk on the phone with them, and then ultimately, if they decide it's a good fit for them, then they submit an application. There are people who call us a gallery, and they're like, I would like to exhibit my work in your gallery. I'm like, you just don't even, (laughs) you read nothing. (laughs) You have no idea what I am. If you were going to email a gallery, mention a specific show, show them and and say something, you know, it just has to be one sentence. Don't write like 20 paragraphs because that sort of makes it feel to them like, oh God, this is 20 paragraphs. And the unspoken like societal thing, like even if you're you're not going to do it, if you get it like a 20 page email, you kind of feel like you're supposed to write a long email back. And so if yeah. you write this really long email, what hap- what I do is like, even if it's the most, you know, even if it's like one of my listeners that I like, I know that like, I might even know who they are and I love them. I might look at it and be really busy and be like, oh my God, I'll read that later. And sometimes then it will get lost. And so you, you know, if it's a really quick read, then I can go like, oh yeah, this is something I can do, you know, like, okay, let me see what this is and let me see what they're, what's going on with this person. Because I know it's something that I can do really quickly. If it's a really, really long email, then I have the sensation that like, oh my God, like now I have to write, you know, like this really long email back. And it's not intentional, but those are the kind of emails that tend to get lost because I think I'm going to do it later. And it's just like, like, just think of like how that person is and be super, super, um, not how that person is, but like what their day might be like. If you know how that person is, great. <laughs> but um, like what they might be experiencing that day and show them that you know who they are. You can, you can write templates because I, I understand it makes sure, you know, it makes some things a little bit quicker, but make sure that you take the time to put something in there that's really, really specific like, you know, like that, like, you know, oh, I was, I I noticed that you just had a show with this artist and I really loved this painting. Like that would, if I were a gallery, I would know that you're not sending me a chain email. And I would be like, oh, you appreciate my work. You actually understand what it means to, to run a gallery. And that's like, that's what I mean by sort of treat them like a human being, put yourself in their shoes and kind of think of what, what they might be doing be get their attention be helpful be humble be brief and be concise that would be my um <laughs> my advice which was not a concise answer <laughs> you know but i i do think that it's extraordinarily good advice is just you know make it easier for them to say yes think about what their day is like, assume that they're going to be the busiest, most stressed out person. And then if they're anything short of that, it's just, you know, bettering your odds. I want to take it back real quick. And then I'd love to get to our next question. But uh, when you mentioned at the beginning that you were just short of stalkerish, it reminded me of something that we say a lot when it comes to pricing your art. And that is that you should toe the line between someone hesitating on buying your work and actually deciding to buy it. So if the person, if it's too easy for them to say yes, you're probably shooting a little too low. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they just flat out say no to buying your art, then, you know, it's probably overpriced. Having just that little bit of tension there, but it ultimately says, you know, it results in them buying the piece is where your price should be at. With, I guess, the amount of persistence to be using, reach out, be bold, but don't go overboard where they're going to just decide 
block or, you know, I'm not reading this or, you know, this person's crazy, anything like that. (laughs) But also don't be so shy and meek and like not confident enough to actually say why you're reaching out and, and saying, Hey, I think I would be a really good fit for your gallery. And not just because I'm an artist and you're a gallery, but actually there's a good fit here being bold enough, but not so bold where you're going over the line. That is, I would say the best place to be with, with persistence. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, I talked a lot about email for some reason that was on my mind, but you know, this goes for social media too. Like, so with social media, um, I would sort of think about like, you know, what was the person intending when they, when they made this post that I'm about to respond to think of it, like, even if it's social media or, or email, you're, what you're really doing is you're trying to establish a relationship. And so you, you want to, to, to say something that's, that's memorable and that shows that you have, and, you know, that, that shows that you're paying attention and that's kind of helpful to them. So like just when you're, you know, if you're looking at an Instagram post and, and the gallery is, is trying to promote a show, for example, then you might like say something specific about the show and then share that post or do something that helps them. Trust me, they will notice. Like I notice those things too. <laughs> like you, you, you think it's like, you think we don't notice, but they totally will notice. And over time, when people consistently do that, then I re- then they're going to remember your name. And then like when you contact them, like let's say later on you email them, then they already sort of have, even as brief as it may be, a small relationship with you. And you're not just some like random email that hit their box that they have no idea who you are, or why you're emailing them. They're like, oh, yeah, that's that that's James. And like he always comments on my on my posts and and shares them. Like, of course I'm gonna answer this email. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, I feel like there's sometimes like a bit of a negative connotation to relationships in the art world. I think when it comes to like uh so and so gallery, like they have relationships and they only sell their art to the people that they like, something like that, where it's like, you know, excluding. But in this case, you know the art world and selling your art or working with a gallery, it is still all about relationships. Like one, let's say you're reaching out to that gallery. Well, once you are working with them, you're going to really get to know them. They have to know what your art is about. You're going to be like interacting with them, like in their gallery. Like it's, it is very intimate in a way. Mm -hmm. And to your point about like, you know, maybe, you know, promoting something just in a, in a little post on Instagram that you really like about theirs or, or just saying hi on there. I mean, there's certain people who I am just so familiar with and enjoy anytime I, you know, see a message from them that probably they could email me saying whatever it is that they want to do. And I, I will probably say yes, or I'm at least a lot likelier to say that and, and vice versa. There's, you know, people I know that I can reach out to and say, Hey, I think this would be great. What are your thoughts? And I don't even have to like prove myself because they already know me and they trust me and they like me. Mm-hmm. And start with that. It's going to make your your life a whole lot easier than trying to like reach out to a hundred galleries uh, with the same long unpersonalized mm-hmm. message. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then back to that self-confidence thing, you know, like have the self-confidence that when or if people don't answer you, you don't make it mean that um, they're ignoring you, they hate you, that, you know, like, like all the worst case scenarios that we tend to think of that, oh my God, they, they hate my artwork, they hate, like all these things. 
it could be that your email just simply got lost in there. Uh, I think I did that with with you guys. I think you guys emailed me <laughs> and I didn't answer right away. Like this is like the, the danger of having your email on your phone too. This is a great example. I know I'm going on, so t- you can cut me off, but um, this is the perfect example of it. So you guys reached out to me and asked if I would be on the podcast. And I think I opened the email on my phone and then like, I'm one of those horrible people that like, if it's, if it's already been read, it just drops off. And, um, and I think it was like on a Friday or something like that. And so like, I was like, Oh, cool. And then I, and I forgot about it. (laughs) And so like Monday, when I go back to, you know, answering my email, it had already dropped off. But luckily, you know, like, and this again is the thing, like, don't be afraid to to follow up. You guys like came back and said, Hey, did you get that email? And I'm like, Oh my God, thank you so much for reminding me. Yes. I would love to do it. You know, like sometimes that's all it is. And for that self-confidence thing, if you think, if you make it mean when somebody doesn't answer you that, that there's something wrong with you or that you, you know, like you're whatever, fill in the blank of whatever your favorite go to (laughs) spiral is. I have plenty of my own. I don't want it to sound like I don't, but if you make it mean something negative, then your response to it will, will not be the result that you want. If the result that you want is to develop a relationship, then just give them the benefit of doubt, assume the wor- the, the best and in a non creepy way, just follow up, just say, Hey, did you guys get this? I just want to make sure like it didn't fall off. Yeah. Again, it, it comes back to self-confidence and just it is so frequent that emails just get lost. It does not mean that they hate you. Whatever, yeah, whatever the worst thing is that you're thinking, it's probably not that. They probably don't hate your guts for for reaching out. You can <laughs> follow up. And honestly, if they haven't at least emailed you saying, I'm not interested, well, then they didn't email you back. So follow up and best case scenario is it did just get lost. I do the same thing. <laughs> emails, if they are marked as red, I they don't exist anymore. <laughs> no, I'm so with, with red emails. <laughs> and Therese, this was all so amazing. If you could have our listeners walk away with one more word of advice, what's something that you'd like to tell an artist out there who's trying to have it all when it comes to their art business? I think connecting with other artists and using all the resources that, you know, like we as artists are one big giant community in the sense that we don't have competition with each other. We have our own businesses. We have our own unique voices that are going to attract collectors that are specific to, to what we do. And because of that, I think it's really important to be part of a bigger community that you can find out what other artists are doing, like what we did here, just sharing information and like, hey, this works. And then just like with a painting, sort of taking that business advice and riffing on it and making it your own. I couldn't agree more. I think that's something that's really special about the art career. Like you said, we can support each other instead of having to uh, directly compete because it's it's not like we're like, you know, oh, I have this sponge and then, oh, my sponge is slightly better. It's like each of us is uh, sharing something that's so unique. It's our own perspective. So there's there's room for everyone. That actually uh, segs very nicely to how I'd like to wrap it up. Uh, and Therese, what is a call to action that you would like to share with our listeners so that they could take full advantage of the Savvy Painter? Well, we have an online community that is free for artists. And if um, anyone listening to this is interested 
in experiencing that, you can uh, find that at SavvyPainter.com or you can go directly to it at Community.SavvyPainter.com. Community.SavvyPainter.com or just SavvyPainter.com. To all of you business artists out there, Antrice has been here with us today sharing her amazing perspective. You're going to want to go back, take notes, or just look at our show notes that we made to make it easy for you. You can listen to this and all of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. To connect with Antrice, you can follow her at Antrice Wood or at Savvy Painter Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and visit shop.antrice.com and listen to the Savvy Painter again at SavvyPainter.com. As always, remember that we are at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. We always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. And once again, we'd really appreciate it if you could take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the artist business plan. Those ratings and reviews are so, so critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs just like yourselves find out about us. And as always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Today's quote is, change your life today, don't gamble on the future, act now without delay. And that is Simone de Beauvoir. And Therese, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you so much, James. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And again, thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. Um, We are so grateful for that. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. Yeah.